Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 111, since lipstick just seems kind of bizarre. And don't get me started on mascara. And day 55 of this podcast. My guest today is Natasha Deon, author of the acclaimed debut novel Grace, practicing attorney and professor of creative writing, and founder of the nonprofit Redeemed, the focus of which is to create a hub of services and relief for those who have been incarcerated or convicted of crimes. Natasha, thank you so much for joining me to talk about the way we live now. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, me I'm too. I'm an admirer. Oh, thank <laughs> you. And same. So where are you right now as we speak? You're a novelist, so give us some novelistic detail about what you're surrounded by, where you're sitting, what you see. I am sitting on an orange sofa, and it's the sofa of my dreams. It came from this book, um, that I, a childhood book that I had, and it looks exactly like it. So it has little buttons across the back, and on one wall is wallpaper, and it's just wallpaper that I could afford that I really love but couldn't afford to pepper the whole room or paper the whole room. So it's just on one wall, and it has like green flowers with a black background and I'm sitting next to a drum. Do you drum? No, it's just like a little steel drum to bring peace or calm to a space. I don't actually know how to use it properly, but I like the sound when I hit it once. Hmm. <laughs> Love that. So what have the past months since COVID-19 hit been like for you? Um, it's been confusing. I guess that's the best word and discovering who I am literally in every moment. So as so I teach, I'm a, a creative writing professor for UCLA. Um, I just finished a semester teaching at Otis College. I'm also um, a lawyer. I'm a mom of two. My son is disabled and I'm also a wife. 
Um, and I do conferences still, like Zoom conferences for um, Antioch University and other places where I was already contracted to do live ones. So all of it happens in this room on this orange couch now. Um, so it's confusing because I'll literally be in court on Zoom arguing for a client and the judge will sign my petition or tell me no. And then I'll close that screen and then my children are saying, mom, snack. So I have to go and literally walk into the other room, make a snack. And then I have to come back and do a conference and talk to students. Um, so it's confusing because I literally have to ask myself, who am I right now in this moment? Because obviously I can't get them confused or my children will be really upset with me. Like, mom, don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's so interesting. Um, you know, I think a lot about that. We have these different selves you know we all do and they're parts of ourselves that form you know something that's complete but you know we operate in different ways in different spheres and the need to be staying home because of the virus and in you know mother role and attorney role and wife and teacher and writer, those usually have their own spaces, right? Yeah. And right now they all happen in my writing room because I can't be in, for instance, my bedroom or my living room because there's so much noise. The TV is on, you know, like life is happening outside of this room. Um, so this is the only place where I can be where everything can happen at once um, or differently, where I feel like I can put it away. So there's no compartments anymore. It's just every all the drawers are open. The closet doors are flung open. Everything is just, <laughs> it's just here. Yeah. How old are your kids? They just turned 14 and 15. They're 364 days apart. So on one day a year, they're both the same age. <laughs> so they just, on June 15th and 16th, they turned 14 and 15. Mm. So that's how they're. And my son is, has special needs. Um, so he requires 24 hour care, but he is hilarious and great. And my daughter is typically able and she, you know, is a teenager, like teenagers are. And we're just trying to keep everybody entertained and happy and different, mm. you know? Mm. So. That's a lot. Can I ask, like, how, did, how have you managed so 24-hour care during this time? That means that you or your husband haven't been spelled at all, right? Yeah. So, you know, it for us, my husband is a contractor, a builder. Um, so right now he's home and he can be home most of the time. And so if I'm here, he can do his job. And if I'm gone, he has to be here. So, but that's always been, you know, not just because of the virus, it's just the way my son's birth changed my whole life. So mm -hmm. I was a corporate attorney for a very long time. I was in San Francisco and London. And when he was born, it just slowed my whole world down. So what everybody is experiencing right now, I've had this for 14 years, mm. um, you know, with occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapies, or just emergency room visits. Um, so we're kind of in our sweet spot, except that now my daughter, she doesn't have the movement that she used to have. Like she could go out and do things. So we have to find ways to entertain her too at home and to keep her engaged and loved and, mm -hmm. you know, and it's often a push and pull. And my mother is here too, mm. to add another layer. <laughs> she's 80, you know, she's eight, but she's fun and spunky and, you know, 
but also bossy. So, you know, we just, we just keep it going because there's no choice really. Yeah. You know, and so what I was thinking was, you know, for all of us, we're all on this worldwide timeout, you know, and we have this time to experience things. And what I would hate is to look back over these three, four months and think to myself, I haven't done anything differently. You know, I haven't accomplished anything. I haven't appreciated this time because it's almost over. You know, they're trying to get people back out in the world. So I worry about that too. So I want to just be very present. So I'm gardening. You know, that's something I've never done before. I have tomatoes growing and I don't want to miss it. Even if I start today, you know, I want to say, what can I do starting today? Right. These last however long. Right. Know? Right. Do you think that your experience uh, with your son and, and these last 14 years has given you different muscles for this? I think so. I think so. For the for that slowing down part, because I was very much, you know, on the grind, you know, 60 hour, 80 hour weeks. Um, and I still am, but differently. So there's no, my weeks kind of don't end. They're unpredictable. And what it taught me is that I have to make it up. You know, there's no blueprint for this. There's no nine to five. There hasn't been a nine to five for a very long time or even a nine to eight or a 10. To, so it's pretty much just making up life in my schedule um, and just seeing how it feels. You know, I was vegan for a very long time, not for moral reasons. It just seemed like the right thing to do at that time. And I remember like toward the end of it, I started feeling really sick, like my, not sick, but like sore, my hips and things like that were sore. And then one day I was just craving salmon. And then that meal ended my veganism, eating a piece of salmon. But that next day I felt my, you know, my limbs were restored. And I remember saying to a friend who was also vegan, I was like, I'm so sorry. After all this time, I'm not vegan anymore. And I remember she said to me, your body knows what it needs. So you have to do that thing. Because I was telling her I felt great, but I felt sorry. I felt, you know, guilty. She was like, your body knows. And that's what it needed to do. So that's how I sort of live my life. Like you, your body knows what it needs. There's so many people telling you, you should do this or you should do that. You should go running, but it, your body knows. So I'm just spending a lot of time listening to my body. So when I get up, when I go to sleep, you know, people will say, stay on a routine, you know, get up at the same time. But I really just kind of go with the flow. So my son has taught me that because he doesn't sleep some nights. So I'm up some nights all night. So I don't wake up, up till 10, but I don't feel guilty about it. Mm. And if I miss something on my to-do list, I just let it go. Like this morning, I ended up on social media too long. And I was like, oh, no, my whole morning is gone. I now I have to wait till tomorrow. But I had to forgive myself and just say, you know what? We're going to start again. We can start again at 3 or at 4 or, or tomorrow. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, I love that you're saying that because you're really talking about something that's hard for a lot of people and maybe particularly hard now which is being kind to yourself, you know, treating yourself the way that you would treat uh, someone that you love. And, you know, so often we find that difficult to do. And I think especially when we're in the midst of something that might feel very uncomfortable or pressured for people. And yet that's when it's most important. So in addition to being a novelist, um, as you mentioned, you're a practicing attorney and you work primarily with incarcerated or previously incarcerated people to help clear criminal records? Is that a apt description? 
Yeah. So I started a nonprofit um, called Redeem. So it's a it's a criminal reentry project. So I pair professional writers because as a writer, I have a great community of writers here in L.A. So I pair professional writers with lawyers and applicants to clear criminal records, um, to give them a pathway back to work free of charge and because it helps them to get jobs, to travel, because that crime that they did, say, at 18 years old, they're not the same person at 40 mm. or even at 20 or even 30. You know, you just we just grow. But that record is always on, you know, it follows them for the rest of their lives as if it's a life sentence and it shouldn't be. So when people anytime a background check is required, sometimes that's just crossing the border to Canada or to Europe or to get a job or to get housing, it always shows up. So what we help to do is help people retell their story, their life since their crime, so that a judge can once and for all say, you know what, we're going to seal this, no one can see it ever again, and they never have to answer that question again. Because every time they apply for a job or whatever that requires a background check, they have to answer for that every time for the rest of their lives. And people really don't know what that feels like until it's them. Mm. You know, saying, yeah, I want my license to be, I don't know, a cosmetologist or a teacher. Oh, that thing I did back in 1995. Yeah, that happened, you know, and you're you're being tried again by whoever that HR director is. So we just make it so that you ask the judge to do it once and for all, and then it won't be seen again. And then in 2020, uh, this year, actually, we started a clemency project where we go into prisons. and we give people a redemption opportunity for exceptional inmates who've lived a good life while they're in there, who are in the honor part of the um, prisons. And we give them a chance to apply for clemency for the governor to get out of prison because some of them have been there longer than 25 years. You know, they went in young and now they're seniors, you know, 60, 70. And it gives them a chance to start again on the outside for the rest of their life. Mm. This is such important work and it feels more important now than ever. Do you, do you feel that Thank way? You. Yeah, I definitely feel that way because I believe in, I believe that people grow. And I think that we live in a country that allows people to be who they are once you decide to work for it. And we're not in the criminal justice system. It has, it has a lot of problems, but there's just an opportunity where we can give people their lives back. We can recognize who they are now and we don't have to punish people forever. So that's what I'm interested in. And I just drafted a new law, you know, to help deal with the protests that are going, the uprising that's going on, that's been needed across the country to help, you know, to prevent police officers from executing the death penalty on civilians suspected of a crime. So that's like the new thing. Is that within the last several weeks that you that you drafted that? Um, actually, I couldn't sleep like a week ago mm-hmm. <laughs> or four days ago, and I just woke up in the middle of the night. I said, this is how we could do this. You know, what if you can't kill runners anymore? You can't execute the death penalty on somebody who's running away from you. What if you can't kill them if you're arresting them? Because it's likely that whatever crime they committed or you think they committed would not be subject to the death penalty anyway. So we can't kill people for bad behavior. You know, people are, especially the, you know, people struggling with mental health issues, people who are scared, they're going to run, they're going to be combative. But how about we use non-lethal weapons? If it's not pepper spray or stun guns, maybe we can develop something else. But there's a way we can subdue people non-lethally without killing them. 
and officers should be responsible for that behavior. Um, so that's what I just set up and I drafted that and friends are helping me sort of circulate it. Um, so I get to meet with the California Assemblyman soon. I'm hoping if it goes through, um, but we could save lives like right now, you know, without taking another step. Like today, we could do this nationwide. You can't kill people. How about no death penalty? You know, but you can still protect officers' lives. My dad was a police officer, a 30-year veteran of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. So I get it. I wanted him to come home. And I also want people to live. And I think we can do it. I think we're smart enough and good enough as Americans to do that. It's so clear. Have you ever have you thought about running for office? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of no, not. I'm, I'm kind of not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. You know what? I'm just like I got all these. I love my students. You know, mm-hmm. I love. I want them to be great. Like I'm cheering for. I'm cheering for good people. I want to help. I want to add value. I don't know. I just want to reach people. I don't think that I have that politician-y vibe. Yeah, thing, yeah. You know, but I I love people. You know, your work has been as as m- most of us uh, who have been continuing to work has you know transitioned to this you know Zoom or whatever sort of these virtual platforms. What's that been like for you, both as a professor of writing and as an attorney in in dealing with your clients? Because it strikes me too when we were talking about these different roles all colliding. You're doing it all from your orange couch, and you're also doing it all. Uh, looking into the same screen, but with <laughs> yeah. different people looking back at you. Um, yeah. But it's like it's all like the Truman Show meets Groundhog Day or something, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what it feels like. You know, I I was with the I did a a children's reading for the California African American Museum here in L.A. and I couldn't see any of them because I had to do it from the Zoom on my phone. But I set it up, and it, it reminded me of at least for me, when I was little, I don't know if you if you did this, but I used to set up all my dolls across the wall. Like I would sit them down and I would like talk to them or read them stories. And because there's no real children looking back at me, it felt like looking in my screen, talking to all the dolls that aren't talking back, like yeah. inanimate objects. So it was weird. Yeah. I was like, I'm an adult doing the same thing again. That's so interesting. Yes, because there's no <laughs> energy exchange. Like there just aren't yeah. human beings in the room together, and there are just ways in which that can just feel totally bizarre. But that, what, what a great, what a great analogy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a, you know, the judge is talking to me. Um, I force my students now to ask questions. Like they can't just raise their hand or type in the comments. I'm like you have to turn off your mute and you have to talk to me right now. So <laughs> I don't care if you talk over each other. Just talk. Somebody mm-hmm. talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I value I value people and I, I value that exchange. So my last question for you is, how are you taking care of yourself? Um, you've got your steel drum, you've got a you've got a house full, and you've got several careers all happening, you know, at once. And you sound very centered. I don't know if you feel that way, but you sound that way. I'm just wondering how you're taking care of yourself, you know, as we go into month four of this reckoning, this historical reckoning that we're all living through. I think it's this. Danny, talking to you right now, I really enjoy talking to people. 
like this is I tell you I was talking about how lonely it is you know because I'm in a room you know when I'm by myself or thinking about just myself so in my house I'm thinking about my children my husband is my mom okay do you need anything um so when I'm in this room it's just the things that I do or the things that I'm interested in so when I get to talk to you like now it's like someone's come to my room hello like <laughs> you know it feels like someone's here so it gives me energy um, but during the day, this is also my bar. This room is also, <laughs> you know, let's be real. So, that, you know, I'm, you know, I'll have a drink at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I have a prayer room upstairs. So I pray a lot. And I, I'm Christian. I read my Bible, mm. um, play calming music in a garden now. And then I go on a drive. So I do, you know how, so I used to have living in LA, there's a lot of traffic. So I would be in traffic maybe an hour or two, one way every day. So now I'll just drive around for an hour at the end of the day, you know, by myself with the music off, no air conditioning. And I just drive around. Because you can too, right? Like the, the, the are, are you saying in part that like the freeways and the, the streets are a lot emptier than they were? They're a lot emptier than they were, but I also need that that come down time yeah. from the end of my day. Yeah. Like walking from one room to another isn't enough. So I put on my mask and my gloves. I get in my car and I just drive going nowhere Yeah, for an hour. Um, even if there's traffic, I'm happy. I'm like, oh, look. Yeah, look, people, familiar. cars. Yeah, but I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I just feel like it's my commute. And so that's what I do. I love that. that. No, that makes so much sense. And I think transitions, which we're all used to having, of work mm. to home, home to different aspects of the things that we do. Um, we are used to transitions, and now we have no transitions or nothing that nothing that's yeah. visible to us or palpable to us. Um, so that's um, that's great. I love that. I'll I'll think of you driving driving nowhere around LA. <laughs> I do that too. Driving the nowhere black in the mask. <laughs> <laughs> I do that in Connecticut. You know, like just right. driving around. You know, the rolling hills just kind of. Oh, that's beautiful. It's, it is. It's beautiful and there's no traffic, but it, and I've got nowhere to go. There's nowhere to be, yeah. but yeah. but there's something very meditative about it. But I think you're exactly right that it has to do with that shifting of gears. Um, it's yeah. so important. Well, Natasha, this is such a wonderful conversation. It, this is what, this is why I do this podcast for exactly the reason that you just said is that that connecting is the thing that in all the different ways that we connect that where we can turn our attention like both deeper and outward at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so Thank much you for joining so me. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the way we live now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on you might want to get a pen for this. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.